The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Success Inside with host Aparna. On today's show, you'll hear the stories from the successful individuals that are making a difference in this world. Living with passion, with their wisdom and ideas, we hope that you are inspired. Now, here's your host, Aparna. Good morning. Um, I am happy to have here with me uh, a wonderful show today. Um, welcome to Success Inside and Voice America Talk Radio. My name is Aparna, and I have here with me Joe Hudson this morning, um, who is with um, One Earth Capital. And Joe is uh, a, a friend and a colleague, and um, he's here to share with us uh, more information about how, you know, share with us his personal journey as well as things that are happening in um, industries like venture capital around mindfulness and conscious leadership. And Joe has dedicated his life to personal transformation uh, related ventures, whether it's speaking or investing in companies associated with that. So good morning, Joe. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I got a good night's sleep. That's good. Yeah. So share with us a little bit about um, your personal practices. Uh, I, I know you have been delved uh, in deep into meditation and have written about it uh, um, in Huffington Post in many places. So how does, how does the morning begin for you? <laughs> uh, every morning's different. You know, I'm, I've never been one for discipline. I, I've just, just never really worked for me. So... Early on, I really tried to uh, be disciplined about my approach, but that's not really how it works for me anymore. So every morning is different. Uh, meditation happens when meditation wants to happen. Um, less of a wake up in the morning and do it for an hour kind of thing. But So it's amazing uh, to me nowadays with um, the spread of mindfulness and yoga studios and so forth, is we're almost reaching a point where ha- we're ha- having the opposite effect of saying to ourselves, oh my God, I have to meditate. And (laughs) that never works well. So when we put pressure on ourselves to do something like that, especially meditation and, you know, clearing out one of the things that I hear most when I'm out teaching is um, people say, oh, how do I clear my mind so that it's just completely clear of thoughts? And (laughs) as you know, that's not what... uh, meditation often means. So would you like to share with us a little bit about what meditation and sort of this journey means to you? Yeah. You know, meditation is, it's, I really consider it to be alive and dynamic. It's not, you know, it started, it, it, and, and there's, I think there's a guy named Dan Brown. I'm, I'm horrible with names, as I'm sure you'll find out in the next hour, but mm-hmm. uh, where he really talks about how meditation evolves inside the person as the person uh, meditates more. So 
you know, for me, it started off as with a very particular kind of practice, a uh, Vipassana practice. Mm-hmm. And then it took on a life of its own. Um, today, it's really just sitting without manipulation. You know, it, it's, you know, you, when people say they want to clear their mind, I don't, I, I always say that's not meditation, that's torture. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's far more about, for me, just being with what is uh, without manipulating anything and just enjoying it. And I think that's the part that a lot of people miss in meditation is just the enjoyment of it. It's, it's, it's a pleasure for me. One of the reasons that it's not a discipline is because it's just something that, uh, that happens and likes to happen. And really the distinguishing between a meditative state and a non-meditative state becomes more and more um, hard to see that distinction. Yeah, and you know, in the Indian, uh, in the yogic tradition, they always say um, you can be meditation, meditative, or mindful even in the everyday tasks. So I personally, when I first started doing this, um, having a deeper uh, sadhana, I noticed that you know I was meditating in the morning and then in the evening, and in the middle of the day, it was like utter chaos. So, you know, it's important to remember that when we get deeper in our practices, um, meditation and being meditative is a state of being rather than kind of just something you're doing for an hour or two hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, there's no, uh, when I, I, what I get nervous about when people hear that is that then they might start judging themselves for sitting and meditating and having a uh, a crazy afternoon, and I, you know, that judgment just doesn't serve. So to me, if if where you're at is meditating for an hour in the morning, an hour in, at night, and that's what you can do, then that's great. Or even if it's five minutes here and there, that's great. Just just the the, the just the, tuning in, yes. yeah. And the yeah. Cons- the constriction happens when the should occurs, you know, mm-hmm. and so. It's less expansive and more uh, constrictive, yes. Yeah. So yeah. just by hearing your voice, I, I feel a calmness come yeah. on me. So, huh? yeah. but, so what I wanted to, this morning, I think it would be helpful, and uh, what I'd love to talk about is you've uh, had a lot of different adventures in your life, and I know venture capital is, um, is, is something that you focus on as well professionally. You have a 20-year professional background. And so, you know, share with our audience some of your professional journey and what, where you are with it now. Yeah. Um, you know, my journey on a professional level uh, was just one of following my bliss. I never really cared about um, money. Maybe once I had children, I started to care a little bit more, but so I just did whatever, you know, turned me on. And uh, so that started off um, leaving college. I, you know, butchered fish in Alaska. And then I taught in the Hayes Valley Projects and uh, was in a rock and roll band and uh, did large-scale video art. Um, and then intertwined with that to make money to support, you know, my art habit and my adventures traveling, I would do things like international stock lending uh, or legal and compliance for a company that that was bought by Barclays. So I I just kind of went around and Mm -hmm. um, 
just did whatever turned me on. And when I needed money, I made it. And, and it was, you know, it was not a life of means by any chance, but it was rich in experience. And, yeah. um, yeah. And so then, uh, my wife got pregnant and, and I decided, wow, I, I, apparently I need to get a house and, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, places. get a good education for my girls. And so, uh, and at that same time, I was working with a, uh, a high net worth family and, and they asked me to come to work. And so we decided together that the, the place that we wanted to have an impact was in sustainability. So that, that began the venture capital career. I was familiar with it before that and knew a lot of people who were in the field. So I got a lot of very good advice and, and uh, we, started, uh, we started making investments in sustainable agriculture. And that was about eight or nine years ago. And um, recently, uh, the choice is, was made to focus all of our for-profit money into personal transformation, mindfulness, um, looking to find scalable ways to uh, make the tools of self-awareness available to everybody and easily. Wow. So this is your full-time focus now, or most of your investments are in this area as well? Yeah, all of, all of the investments are, you know, on a personal level now, I, I don't work for just one family. I work for several, and, um, but everything that I do is in uh, self-awareness. So whether that's, uh, you know, working one-on-one with people, which I do uh, very occasionally. And th- the reason that I do that, the way I think about what I do is I have three laboratories one laboratory is the one-on-one work. One laboratory is the group work, and one laboratory is the community work. The community work is where I make investments, and those investments are both for-profit or non-profit grants. I, in my language, non-profits are also investments. You know, I'm looking for very specific returns; they're just not financial. Absolutely. Um, so the the way they build on each other is the the one-on-one work. Uh, you know, it's it's been 20 years of me going around and collecting different transformational tools, experiencing them, uh, and and figuring them out from you know spiritual to neurological to psychological. So, what's your favorite one in this space? <laughs> there's no, yeah, there's no favorite. It's just because I just feel like uh, after being in this space for a little while, there are so many different things happening. It's kind of like any traditional business, actually. If you look at it right now, there are a lot of different, different, you know, things percolating. There's no uh, yet consolidation, and which is probably a good thing. Yeah, I totally agree that it's a good thing. I, you know, I think that on the personal path it's it's where you are it, it dictates the tool that's right you know I, i'm the, the only thing that's been relatively consistent is meditation but even meditation has changed over the years for me mm-hmm. uh, but you know if you have let's say a, a blame loop where you're constantly blaming others for your state then you know byron katie work is really good work and if you're into if you're having issues with shame, then um, an esoteric practice called reclamation of projection is a really good um, tool for that. So it just depends on where where you are and what's going on with you as to what tools. And I think that the decentralized nature of these tools, that there are so many of them, is a great thing 
because people can find what works for them. And there's kind of a natural instinct in us that if we're yeah, does, yeah. paying attention, yeah, we, we have an intelligence that tells us where to go. So where would be, um, so for our audiences, where would be, what would be the kind of the best way or the way to get started on this path, let's say? Yeah, I I would say consciousness. Yeah, I would. I mean, you know, the studies show, like if you look at like Terry O'Fallon's studies on um, human development and Mm -hmm. development of consciousness, her her motto, which I I love, is... uh, Waking up is growing up, and growing up is waking up. Um, and, and so the two things that seem to work, you know, in, in all situations and that are the most effective at um, having somebody go through the developmental levels, if you, if you think about it that way, if you believe that metaphor, mm-hmm. um, there's meditation and then there's sangha, which would okay. be the Buddhist term. But basically it's just a community a group of people who have the intention of developing and understanding themselves better. And, and the more directly um, purposeful that is, the, the more that community is very specific about this is what we're doing um, and interacts regularly, the results are pretty amazing. So, for Yeah, some, that's a great point. Just beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point about the sangha because, as you're, especially when you're first starting out, um, having that sangha, especially in a community that's non-threatening and accepting of wherever you are in your own personal journey, can be very helpful um, and nurturing and supportive of going forward. I, I personally. Um, it belong to several groups and, and, and being in California, it makes it easy. But, yeah. um, one of the other things is now, uh, I notice people are bringing Sangha to online communities. Yeah. I think you said safe and supportive and, and I agree, I agree with that. I, but I, I also want to make a distinguishing, um, point there is, so the safety is really important neurologically, and, and the reason that it's important is that if the amygdala is engaged, you know, the fight, fight or flight response in the brain, then the brain's ability to learn or develop, um, the system's ability to learn and develop uh, is really slowed down. So that safety is important, but most people think of safety as, you know, people being nice to one another, and that's not what it's about. Um, you know, if you're in a group where everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I really hear you. I really understand what's going on. A support you know? group, yes. Yeah, if you're, in, <laughs> if you're in that kind of group, there's never the level of trust that's built. Right. Um, that when you're in a group that is uh, really with loving compassion able to say, hey, I noticed that when you do this, you know, when you get all stressed out like that, I disconnect from you. And I, you know, and I, you know so if you can get in a group that's actually also, you know, pointing out the things that are constricting or that are inconsistent or that make it difficult to relate to you. Uh, and then there's a whole nother level of trust that's built because then you actually know where the people around you are instead of, you know, oh, you know, you kn- everyone's telling you, oh, you're great, you're wonderful, but you don't, you, there's a reason you don't believe it. It's because they're not speaking their full truth. So I think the safety to speak your full truth and to have, your full truth, someone else's full truth spoken to you, that's really what makes... It's the balance. 
Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be, when I say sangha, I'm a little nervous about that because then everyone thinks, oh, that, that means you're like in a, you know, meditative community. A, a lot of the, a lot of the groups that are really effective, meditation isn't really a part of it. You know, the, it can, there can be groups that are, that have nothing to do with meditation and they still can be really, really effective on the journey. That is a very good point, actually. So any group that you resonate with and meets you where you are today, actually. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the most important thing. And challenges you, you know, that they can tell you what they actually see and feel. That's the... That's the yeah, I mean, I have so many people come up to me and ask me about, um, well, am I doing this right? Is this, you know, and then they hold no, it. The there's no, no journey and no destination. I mean, it's all a journey. Yeah, yeah. No, you're not. If you're wondering <laughs> if you're doing it right, you're not. <laughs> yeah. So. And, and, and by the way, you're not doing it wrong either. Yeah. There is no right or wrong. Yeah. Exactly. That's the beauty of it. So um, we're going to go into break and uh, come back with Joe. Joe, thanks so much for your time this morning. And uh, we are a success inside on Voice America Talk Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. If you are a beginning or aspiring entrepreneur, have you thought about a coach or mentor? For instance, think about sports figures who have successfully become entrepreneurs and leaders in business. They started out with a coach in their respective sport, and many work with a coach today to help them continue to achieve their goals. Listen for ESCN with host Michael Dawson and co-host Angelia Hobson and Diane Daniels. Tune in Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, and 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business and rebroadcasts on Voice America Sports. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're tuned in to Success Inside. To reach Aparna or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Aparna at bcorporateyogi.com. Now, back to Success Inside. Welcome back um, to Success Inside this morning. We are on Voice America Talk Radio. And I would love to, uh, I have a guest here this morning with me, Joe Hudson, who um, is a venture capitalist and someone who has a very deep focus on uh, mindfulness and conscious human consciousness. And uh, I would love to hear from the audience. We would both love to field your questions. So the phone number is 866 472 5790. If you have a burning question or would like to share some thoughts with Joe, uh, please dial in this morning. 
Again, the number is 866-472-5790. Welcome back, Joe. Thank you. So um, it's a pleasure having you this morning. Um, I feel like this is almost a sangha where we can share uh, some insights and Hopefully people will call in and and see if they have any questions. But um, this morning, one of the things that I know I asked you about, um, and it's something I'd love to share here, is uh, how does one go about, you know, you've had a lot of success uh, early on in different areas um, and and have the kind of the the ability to do this full time. But a lot of folks like me who have different... um, jobs and so forth, how does one get to a point where we can share this personal transformation gift with the world as our life calling and livelihood? Yeah. You know, I think that uh, Joseph Campbell, he said it the best. He said, Mm -hmm. you know, following your bliss is the important bit. Mm -hmm. I think that people get really caught up in um, trying to get somewhere. It's a really interesting thing, right? If you pay attention to the way desire works in our head, it, it tells us that we want something like, oh, I want to make a living, you know, mm-hmm. teaching mindfulness as an example. And, um, but we don't actually know what that's like when we have that desire. So we're desiring something that we don't really know. It's like the guy, you know, in the 90s who really wanted a Hummer and then he bought the Hummer and realized that he couldn't find a parking space and that people flipped him off when he was driving on the road. And, you know, so, so it's like that, this is the way the desire works in the system. That, and just by the way, there's nothing wrong with desire. I think it's a great thing. Um, but it's interesting that so people decide, oh, hey, this is what I want without actually knowing what it is. Um, and then they really try to get there. And, and both of those two things are antithetical to following your bliss. Um, deciding what you want without knowing it doesn't really lead to your bliss. And trying to get there slows down the process. Uh, so the recommendation I have is that, you know, the decisions that you make, that you just make the next right decision based on your bliss. And when you do that, the world unfolds in a way that's far more uh, beautiful and rewarding than um, getting someplace that you've decided you want it to be. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you don't have purpose or you don't have a set of intentions. Uh, that's, you know, also a beautiful part of life. But there's that attachment uh, to mm-hmm. being in a specific place that really gets in the way of people. And um, Yeah. And actually, the thing here is that, you know, especially certain things that feel wonderful. So I know that when I did my yoga teacher training and I thought, wow, this feels great. And I started teaching and I thought, wow, this is just amazing. And then it's like, well, but then I live in San Francisco and I've got my rent and I've got this and that. And so it's, it's as you're saying, it, it, the whole notion that you're not trying to get somewhere yeah. is, is, a, is very uncomfortable, especially in the beginning. Uh, yeah, it's uncomfortable all the time. It, that's the creative process, right? The, the creative yes. process isn't, isn't particularly comfortable. It doesn't have to be uncomfortable, but um, it's not a particularly comfortable. And there's a, 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 
and, and, and but it's all that's also the beauty in it, right? So if you're right. sitting in meditation trying to get somewhere, you know how that works. Like I said, that's <laughs> torture. Um, similarly, you know, if you're um, if you're in your life and you're and you're not okay with the unknown, right? Which is really what that is. It's you know the idea of trying to get somewhere is is trying to control um, life experience and. And so you, you, you don't get the, you know, you don't get to hang out with the unknown for a while. You don't get to hang out with the un, unmanifest, to use a spiritual term. Mm -hmm. And without that relationship, uh, it doesn't move through you as easily. And so to be with that. Uh, right. And it's all that notion of, you know, I'm going to go on a journey to find myself and <laughs> arrive at a destination. I mean, that's numerous ads and so forth. I mean, every time I would go on a spiritual retreat, it was like, yes, and I'm going to come back when I found myself. Right. You know? yeah. And it's like, well, there's no destination. So, um, but it, it, it's a beautiful thing, like you're saying, that be the beauty is in being able to express ourselves creatively. But when you come from a business background and, you know, we're goal-driven professionals where success is attributed to some metrics, um, it takes a lot. It, it, I'm speaking personally. It takes a lot to step back and allow that creativity to unfold in its own kind of unpredictable way. Yeah. Well, I would say it takes, it, it, it's, you say it takes a lot and I understand that perspective, but in, in actuality, it's, it, it takes a lot less, right? Because it's, <laughs> it's like letting go of a hot frying pan. It, you know, it the only thing that, yeah. yeah, the only thing that makes it difficult is the resistance to it. But the, and if you just look at the energy dropping that resistance is the, is that, is that way and dropping the resistance gives you a ton more energy. So it's, it's what's the interesting thing is the more that you are comfortable with the unknown, the far more energy you have in, to give your gifts to the world. And this is where uh, mindful meditation is a beautiful practice because that's kind of a, uh, a space where you can become comfortable with the unknown Yes. Your own pace, you know, the pace where you are. It meets you where you are today in this moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I just had this recollection. I remember, you know, in my 20s listening to people like me talking on radios like this. And, <laughs> and I would always have this thought process of like, oh, that's easy for you to say because you're there. You know, that, exactly. was, the, that was the thought process that I always had. And it's funny now sitting in this position and... And the feeling is almost just the opposite. It's that um, because it was easy, it's why I'm here, you know. And and mm. and and when I say because it was easy, it's because the, you know that movement happened to make that thing easy, you know. And um, so I think yeah. that that's really the the best place to start focusing in on a practical level. You know, anything's possible. You look out your window at any time, and you and you see that. Almost everything that you look at uh, is, you know, was built by a business, right? I mean, the, mm -hmm. I'm looking out my window at a hotel room in Lodi, California right now, out of all places. And, <laughs> you know, the cars on the freeway and the freeway itself and the lampposts and the buildings and the concrete roads and the, and the plants planted on the side of the highway, that all those were businesses, right? There's, there's an unbelievable abundance 
um, of opportunity out there. And there's hundreds of businesses that can be created that can be successful. Absolutely. And I mean, there's such a big push uh, in, in the business community about around innovation. So one thing I see a lot of is these companies that are coming out and disrupting the way, um, you know, the Ubers of the world who are disrupting different industries. And there is a lot of especially in the venture capital space, everybody wants to find that next disruptor, the Uber or um, Airbnb is another one. So, you know, how do we put ourselves, uh, I get asked this question a lot, how do we put ourselves in a mental state where we can create a disruptor? And, you know, a lot of that is, is all associated with trying something new. Like Airbnb, for example, started with two guys who had some extra space and needed some money. And they, you know, in their apartment, they had extra that, that they figured out that's all they had was like a bed, air mattress and some space that they could rent out in a wonderful city where everybody wants to come and visit, which is San Francisco. So, you know, in disruption or innovation actually happens through um a lot of trial and error and, you know, experimenting and evolving. But I hear what you're saying about the, the what you heard in your 20s, because even now I hear people saying, uh, oh, the journey is the best part. Even entrepreneurs, you know, that have kind of made it or have success say, oh, the journey was the best part. And then when you're in that journey, you're like, no, I can't wait <laughs> to get there. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think there's also, there's also just uh, back to the practical reality of it, there is some you know, there's some, you know, what, what I notice in a lot of entrepreneurs, what they miss is the research aspect of it, you know, and there's, there's, you can't, you can't over-research it, but you can be intelligent about knowing what you're doing before you do it. You know, in the age of Google, it's not what you know, it's what questions you ask. And, absolutely. and so, you know, and some people get lucky, there's no doubt, but there's, there's things, you know, you can figure out what your total addressable market is in a business, and that's going to tell you how big it can grow. You can um, find out, you know, you can not try to create a business that solves a problem that you think people have. You can create a business that solves a problem that they think they have, right? And, right. and you can figure out what margins your business. You know, there's ways that you can pay attention to what makes for a, a large, fast-growing company that's it's well-known and Every venture capitalist knows what it is, and you can find out what that is, and you can, you know, think about a business in that way. Uh, and so that research part is what's missing often: is people not really just paying attention to what is known and already out there. That's a very good point because there are so many. I'm amazed at how many um, entrepreneurs I meet where there it's not clear to them what problem they're really solving. It just has become so cool to be an entrepreneur nowadays that it's like, well, okay, yeah, I'm going to do that. And, you know, and it's just going to, it's going to go viral. Um, So it's just such a trendy thing that sometimes we we forget that it's important to know what problem you're solving. And then that problem has to be a problem that is actually taking place for others out there. Yeah. And I think that the other issue is that a lot of people, they start a business and, and they're not really in relationship, you know, with the world when they start their business. And this mm-hmm. happens a lot with kind of the do-gooder set, you know, the, mm-hmm. the people who are trying to make a difference in the world. And so one of the big potholes that gets fallen into there is, you know, 
what the world needs is climate change, right? In a positive direction, not in a negative. You know, we need to fix climate change. And so they, that's the problem that they're out there trying to solve. Uh, but the reality is most people out there aren't saying, yes, this is a problem. We need to fix it. But they do say things like, I don't want to pay so much for gas. Or they do say things like, I want to cut my electricity bill. Or, you know, so you, so a lot of the times that, and this also, you see it in, um, in, you know, the self-awareness community. It's like, well, you know, we need everybody to be meditative. We need everybody to be calmer. But most people aren't walking around in their lives saying, wow, I wish I was more meditative. You know, they're thinking, <laughs> wow, I, I wish I was skinnier or wow. Yeah. And so the idea of what, what I call the Trojan horse, right, which is where you bring something like mindfulness or any of the other practices into uh, a situation that has a big well-known problem. So, you know, how do you lose weight through mindfulness is the way some people might approach it. Or how do I perform better work through emotional awareness, you know, so you look for the problems that people think they have and you that's give them a, a solution. Yeah, Not, no, and that's yeah. absolutely, actually, that's one of the reasons why I am very passionate about this and that's why I created Be Corporate Yogi because um, the idea is not just, oh, I'm going to be mindful so I can reduce my stress or sleep better at night, but these uh, tools that are out here in, in the yogic world are used as things to help us with the more compelling things that are going on in our lives, whether, I mean, weight loss is one thing, but even something like starting your own business. Uh, we've I've created workshops where we actually sit with entrepreneurs and create a vision for the why they've created this business, like creating a whole pitch around their business uh, using this. So it's it's actually a tool that's here for any big life um, occurrence or thing that you're trying to manifest, for lack of a better word, um, in this world because. It, to use it, yoga as merely just some for, for something for relaxation and stress relief would just be like tipping the iceberg. Yeah, I, you know, for me, it's whatever, whatever the entry point is for the person, and then when they touch into the deeper benefits, they're hooked. You know, absolutely. But it, one of the things that I look for in any business is the ease of use, right? So, it's, mm-hmm. you know, that a phone that's less easy use is going to lose to a phone that's more easy to use. And so that ease of use and meeting people with the problem that they think they have and then allowing it to unfold from there, I think, is a, is a, is a far more, um, the approach has more alacrity. Absolutely. And also, it, it kind of meets you right where you are. So you're not trying to be somewhere you are, this is the problem you have today and this is a tool. It's very tangible and something that's real. So with that, actually, we're going to just jump in and go into uh, a break here. Thank you so much, Joe. Uh, We are Um, on Voice America Talk Radio. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that on um, both the websites, uh, joehudson.com and One Earth Capital, there's some advice or parameters for companies that you know what you might want to be looking at to make a company successful so if people who are listening want that they can go to either joehudson.com or oneearthcapital.com 
Great. Well, thank you for sharing that. And also, if anybody wants to call in, um, the phone number is 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. We still have Joe um, here th- with us this morning. So if you have things you wish to share or ask, uh, please feel free to dial in. Thanks, Joe. And again, his Joe's website is joehudson.com. So we're going to go into break here. We'll be back soon with Joe, uh, Voice America Talk Radio, Success Inside. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What makes great leaders? Results? A lasting legacy? Is it making a difference in your life or maybe the lives of others? I lead. The Leadership Connection with host Dr. Linda Sharkey will bring you the practical tips and tools to make you an extraordinary leader and by doing so, build a better, more successful, and more profitable organization. Our show is all about you, the leader that you can be, and the culture that you can create. Tune in to I Lead, The Leadership Connection, live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Today, our world is faced with complex challenges that present massive potential risks. Conflict, misunderstanding, misalignment of organizations and their leadership, lost productivity, wasted time, and wasted resources resulting from limiting perspectives, distraction, and hardline positions are damaging our today and our future. The monetary cost of such failures is in the billions. Stop wasting time. Make a shift. Engage with host David B. Savage on Breakthrough to Yes with Collaboration, Thursdays at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're tuned in to Success Inside. To reach Aparna or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Aparna at bcorporateyogi.com. Now, back to Success Inside. Welcome back this morning to Success Inside. Uh, I have here with me Joe Hudson from One Earth Capital. And uh, Joe, we were having a great discussion on uh, how to, um, you know, how Joe's journey has been with personal transformation and passion around human consciousness has evolved. And one of the things that I think um, we can share, I'd love to have you share with the audience is, um, some of the things that have been really successful, because I would say the mindfulness movement has been around or has been has really gained traction over the last several years. So, in your journey, have you th- seen things that have in the in the business world that have worked really well, and you know, people who are doing it well? Yeah, um, you know, I think that the rub. So, I about. What's 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 done well and what's going to do well are two different things, and I think the more relevant conversation is what's going to do well. Um, and 
we're starting to see the seeds of it now in certain organizations. So there's a movement in organizations right now um, towards a, a different organizational structure. We've been very hierarchical for a long time, and and that's useful. It's very productive, if, especially in something like manufacturing. Um, but in the modern business, uh, it doesn't. It really isn't working as well as some new things that are happening. There's a, a book called Reinventing Organizations, and they talk about teal organizations. Uh, and there's uh, organizations running something called Holacracy. And uh, a guy named Keegan out of Harvard uh, has just written a white paper about DDOs or deliberately developmental organizations. And those kinds of organizational structures, when I've run into them, they're pretty rare, are usually highly effective and, and very unique. Uh, the other thing that I can say about how I see uh, the world moving is that for a long time there's been this, I, you even touched on it earlier, about the separation between business and spirituality. But mm -hmm. the reality is that a business can uh, be a sangha just as much as anything else can be. It's an organization. And, and the thing about it is that when, when organizations move in that direction, they really win the talent war. Very, you know, and there's tons of case studies showing this at this point. Absolutely. And so if people, if people who are running organizations um, can make it so that when the employees come there, they feel like they're growing as human beings and that they're in an environment that uh, encourages that growth and, and uh, actually even requires that growth, um, it's an amazing amount of uh, loyalty and ownership that comes out of, the, out of the people working at that company. And that makes for a highly effective organization. Yes, and actually, I think that, um, you know, I've, I've, I mean, most companies are putting in a lot of money towards creating uh, wellness programs and, and, you know, having, like I know Google, for example, has this whole meditation or, or a mindfulness room and a mindfulness area where you can go to to just kind of uh, or unplug for a couple of minutes or hours or so forth. In fact, I was at the Hell 2.0 conference and they're creating these actual chairs where you can, it kind of blocks you out of the reality and you check into it and you set your timer for 15 minutes and you're kind of in a totally different reality, uh, whether it's mindful or something else. And um, then you come back to your work world. So there, there's a lot of focus on this, but the teaming aspect of it is very interesting because... In teaming, uh, especially nowadays, um, you know, at there, I come from a corporate culture where companies have spent a lot of money on building effective teams. But only right now is it an environment where people are really looking at um, creating teams, building like a sangha. You know, yeah. and there's a big focus on this now. And I'm happy to see that there's more research being done to back this up. Um. Yeah, it's um, it's a, it's pretty amazing to watch it. And a lot of the times, the only thing that's, you know, if you talk to leaders and you say, you know, what's your, what are your issues in in culture? Usually, what, the number one response I get is that I want uh, a, a deeper degree of ownership from the um, from the people working here, and I want them to be self motivated and 
not to be managed as much. You hear that kind of thing often. Um, Absolutely, especially with startups, as you know, it's one of the most important thing to get because yeah. there's not a lot of money involved. So if you're not getting salary, you need to have outside inspiration or you're not getting a huge salary. Yeah. Outside inspiration becomes really key. Right. And the, the thing is, if you talk to the employees, the number one thing that they want often is a sense of autonomy mm-hmm. and a sense of appreciation. And so in reality, these are the same wants, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the difficulty is the tools to create them. And so sure. I've been experimenting recently. I've gone into um, four organizations in the last three weeks, um, bringing some of the tools that I have uh, learned and developed in the one-on-one work and bringing them into a team environment. And it's been exceptional to see how effective it's been. I did uh, one with this uh, organization called Milepost Consulting, which is a sustainability consulting company and just a fantastic group of people, really willing and ready. And their leader, Eric, was just amazing at really wanting to hand over the autonomy to his people. And so we just had a day-long workshop where we really discussed how to have really difficult conversations in a productive way. And difficult conversations I could define as, um, you know, either internal struggles inside the organization, but also difficult conversations or sales conversations often or hard conversations with they're the conversations that people generally want to avoid. And so how do you do those in a way that is really meaningful for both people? Because when, when they are meaningful, um, then all of a sudden those conversations want to happen. And when you have the hard conversations, it you get much more efficient. You Everybody gets a lot happier being in the organization, you get a lot more sales. And in that organization, it was amazing. Uh, three weeks after uh, I went in and, and we, we tried this thing out, uh, they had uh, increased their sales pipeline, increased their sales, and the company culture had, had changed dramatically. And talking to different employees inside there, they just are really excited about what's happening. And so a lot of the times what I notice in organizations is it's not the desire that's missing. It's, it's really the tools, right? How does Absolutely, a- especially in sales. I come from a professional sales background. And amazingly enough, we were spending so much money on sale, you know, sales training. And the good salespeople are always good and they kind of have their own uh, approach. But yeah. the ones that are in between there, it's hard to find training that can really you know, outside of like how your uh, tools that are like how to operate more effectively on a day-to-day basis, but really getting at, like you're saying, the the real tough questions, the big challenging things that can put you over, over the top. Yeah. Uh, and it's a very fast-paced environment. So one reason why I love sales is the fast-paced nature of it. It's kind of a high. Yeah. So when you're on that high, sometimes, I mean, at the end of the quarter, once the high is over, I I felt like kind of a little lull and sometimes sad that it's over. But, you know, but so it's a very fast paced culture. So having the ability to talk through some of the very, very tough challenges and in an open way is uh, and having a tool to do that is 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 great For, for me. It's it's it's. It's, it's all about making the conversation rewarding uh, both for the salesperson and for the customer uh, and meaningful to both uh, people. So a lot of times sales is thought either subtly or not subtly as trying to convince somebody of something. But 
what I notice is that it works a lot better if you're actually concerned about helping the person and um, helping them see clearly and helping yourself see clearly their needs. And that conversation, you know, like think about it when you're sitting down with your wife or your lover, your partner, and you're really concerned about their needs and they're really sharing that with you and you're explaining your your needs and it's going back and forth and there's no agenda. There's just like, hey, we're here in an open exploration. Right. You know, when that when that happens, something magical occurs, yeah. and and it can happen in the in a setting of sales as well, and and then yeah. all of a sudden it's really exciting. Yeah, no. One thing I just thought of is, you know, how many times do we have salespeople that walk in the room and for fifteen minutes there's not a word in that the customer is saying? Yeah, yes. I've had this seen this many times, and it's just it's amazing that you know. I, People are so convinced about their solution that they're not listening to what it is that the buyer is actually seeing. But so we're going to jump uh, focus here a little bit uh, on since we only have about uh, five or ten minutes left on the individual. So as an individual person um, who is, you know, really interested in making kind of ourselves more whole and showing up as a better self, I say, for a better than our own selves, like better than we were today. So how do we continue down this journey? What are some of the things that we can do now? Let go of the idea that uh, there's a better you. <laughs> I didn't say best. <laughs> <laughs> no, better even. I, I think, I mean, that, especially in the Western culture, right? If you look at the Eastern traditions, there's the, the it's kind of the transcendent, not all Eastern traditions, but a lot of these, they're transcendent in it. And so what that means is that the skill set is meditation and inquiry, and you, uh, and you start off ignorant and you end up um, with uh, insight, and, and that's the transcendent path. And then if you look at the more Western traditions, it's, it's uh, more of the... Um, the embodiment traditions it's more of the uh heart traditions and and that's uh, about um the tools there are vulnerability and intimacy and the end is um you know wholeness or it could be described as just a a deeply generous love Mm -hmm. and i think when what happens with most people in in the west is that the big stumbling block is about not having that self-compassion, that self-love. And so they're constantly um, beating themselves up or using subtle levels of shame to say like, oh, if I just change this, if I just change this, and this editor in the head is going on kind of consistently and it's saying, oh, you can improve this way. Oh, did you hear what they said? You know, and this things occurring in the head and, and, and that just overlaps oftentimes into spirituality where spirituality is just a self-improvement project instead of a self-love project. And, and That's a very important distinction, actually. So yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. It's, it's really important. And also, I mean, especially in the, if you're a professional, you tend to have a high self-esteem. So we always tend to think highly of ourselves, but that's not the same thing as self-love. In fact, sometimes, sometimes it can even be the opposite. So, um, it's, it's a great distinction that you make. The way that, you know, if I have the time for this, I think I do, um, 
the way that I see it works is, you know, we're, we're, we're children and as children, we feel everything. Then we get told we're not allowed to feel certain things. You, you can't feel your anger, maybe. And maybe you can't feel your sex. Maybe you can't feel um, scared. You get taught that and we start to hold that inside. And what happens is the, the physiology, the body needs to feel that to get back into balance. But we start resisting it and resisting it. And pretty soon we start mistaking our emotions for the resistance to the emotions. Like a lot of times what people think is anger I would say it's not anger at all. It's the resistance to anger. And so, sure. and as you stop resisting the anger, but more importantly, when you love the anger, then what allows it to happen is the resistance move through, then the anger is actually felt and it's accepted. And then the system gets back to a balance and the patterns that we are trying to get rid of in our life go away. Like, and and the reason is like that pattern keeps on coming back, like it's called an abandonment issue or call it a, a self-abuse issue. And it just keeps on coming back. Oh. And it's just looking for the, uh, that, the, the recognition, the love, so that it doesn't have to come back in because it's just looking to be felt. It's just looking to be loved. And with that, actually, on that note, I will say uh, I have truly enjoyed having you here. And... Um, you know, that love can be recognized through having a deep uh, commitment to your each individual's personal consciousness journey, whatever that may be. Um, so each week we share a different story. But, Joe, it's been a pleasure having you. We'd love to have you back and share some of these things and j- jump in deeper in some of the practices. Uh, also, Joe, do you, I know that... Um, you are doing a lot of work in this area, so if our audience is interested, Joe has a website, uh, Joe Hudson, joehudson.com. And, uh, you know, anything else you'd like to share? Just thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for taking the time out on your Saturday morning. Uh, to be here with us. I, I feel like there's, we're just only just beginning. So uh, with that, I will close today's show. Thank you so much for being here with Success Inside. If you do come up and have questions and would prefer to email, um, feel free to reach out and info at bcorporateyogi.com. We'd love to hear your suggestions and comments. Thanks again so much for being here on Success Inside with Voice America Talk Radio. Thanks for listening. Be sure to catch another edition of Success Inside with your host, Aparna, next Saturday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until the next show, have a great weekend and a successful week to come.